Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, at the beginning of the service, Steve chimed in, Happy Easter, and everybody, of course, responded, Happy Easter. It's one of the natural responses on this day, and it's something that you will hear frequently out and about. And yesterday, I was anywhere from Beaufort to Savannah to Bluffton to here. And because I had my collar on wherever I went, people would often say to me, Oh, Happy Easter. You know, because they figured I was a safe person to say it to. And it's really, really interesting because, you know, Happy Easter means different things to different people. Especially from commercials to comics, you know, and what's advertised. You know, Easter baskets, Easter clothing, Easter eggs. I mean, but what does Easter mean to most people? Do they really have an understanding of what Easter is about, whether they're in the church or outside the church in the world? Has it really taken hold in your heart and in your life here? Because we can say Happy Easter and we can have good intentions about what Easter is about. But do we really understand the full impact of what it is we're saying, because once we come in here, we use a different line. And let me tell you what I mean by that. It's been used since the early days of the church. Alleluia, Christ is risen, and? Exactly. You won't hear that much out in the world. And yet it's one of the standard lines in the church that we use. It's really interesting. Most people know it. And it was one of the greetings of the early church because they were so excited. Why? Because the resurrection made all the difference. And one of the lines that everyone says in response was one of the early creeds of the church. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. During Lent, we've been talking about the names of Jesus. And as we arrive on Easter Sunday, the name that I decided to talk about was the name Lord. Because it's that early creed, it's that power that comes with that name. Jesus is Lord. But what does that even mean? I mean, do we really fully comprehend what that name Lord means? One of the first hymns that the early church knew is found in Philippians chapter 2. And at the end of that hymn, verse 11 in Philippians 2, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee in in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, it's interesting what that's saying. 
That means that everybody, including people that didn't believe in him before, are going to declare that. Why? Because they are going to recognize his lordship, whether they did while they walked the face of the earth or not. And it may be too late. Because he is Lord. And there's incredible evidence that he's Lord in Scripture. There's evidence in his life. And in his death and resurrection. Now the apostles, they weren't quite sure as they were walking with Jesus. Even though they saw incredible things that he did. The miracles that he did. But they weren't quite sure until he was risen. And until especially Pentecost. Because it was at Pentecost that Peter preached his first sermon and said, This Jesus, who is the Christ, is Lord. So he made this declaration, an incredibly powerful declaration. This Peter, who, if we think about during Holy Week, wasn't terribly impressive during Holy Week. If you think about what he did during Holy Week, what did he do? He fell asleep when Jesus asked him to pray. We never do that. He denied Jesus. He deserted. He hid. And even when he went to the tomb, saw the tomb was empty, did he really actually fully believe and embrace the idea that Jesus was risen? Not quite yet. He was still afraid. He was still unsure. Even though Jesus had said over and over again, you know, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. Just want you to know that. He still didn't quite catch it. And yet Jesus is Lord. And so those, those words that Peter said early on, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, where else are we going to go, seemed hollow at this point, seemed empty. And the question is, when Peter finally figured it out, when Jesus rose again from the dead, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was convinced his life was transformed. And that's what happens when we really understand this whole idea that Jesus is who he says he is. He's Lord. And what we say in the creed every Sunday, and what we see in Scripture, is that He's first and foremost Lord over creation. He's Lord over everything. You know, when you, we read those words, and it's in your bulletin too from Isaiah 25, you will see the word Lord used over and over again of what we think about as God the Father. That when we hear the word Lord in the Old Testament, that's what we typically think about. This is God the Father. This is God. This is the big guy. But then that term is used of Jesus. Why? Because he's Lord over creation. We say it in the creed. That Jesus was the one involved in creation. John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. Paul says it in Ephesians. Over and over again, we see it in the New Testament that Jesus is Lord over creation. 
And we don't often think of that. That in Genesis 1, the word, the spoken word is what brought creation into being. And then John says, and the word became flesh. This person that was active in creation is Jesus Christ. And he's the one that came into creation, God incarnate. He showed what God is like. And he revealed the nature of God who loves us and gave himself for us. And then the power over sin and death. But he came to be Lord over creation and he showed us. But at the same time was fully submitted to the Father, which is why he gave his life. He is Lord over redemption, salvation, eternal life. That he submitted to first being born here, but then serving throughout his life. Giving of himself constantly. He would say to his apostles, you call me Lord But I come among you as one who serves to give myself. We're told in Isaiah the prophecy 700 years before Jesus actually suffered and died. He was so marred. Why? Because of the 39 lashes. Because he was beaten so badly by soldiers. Because he had a crown of thorns. Because he was nailed. He was almost beyond human semblance. That's how much he suffered. And then he took upon himself the sin of the world for our sake. He suffered physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually for our sake. But that's not the end of the story because he rose again. He rose again to show he has power over sin and death. And our culture by and large says, well, that doesn't sound much like that's very plausible. That almost sounds like a myth. The secular, humanistic, quote-unquote, scientific day and age in which we live. People don't always want to buy into the resurrection. And yet our faith hangs on the resurrection. That was witnessed by hundreds of people seeing Jesus walk the face of the earth. You know, today, interesting day today. You know what today is besides Easter? April Fool's Day. You know, a lot of people don't believe in the resurrection. You know what they think we are? Foolish. You know, an interesting little tidbit. Does anyone know when Lent began this year? Valentine's Day. Now, there's an interesting tandem. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. What a great combination that is. There's a pair of bookends for you. Love and foolishness. Only fools fall in love, right? There you go. That's why he's Lord over redemption, because he died for us. Because he loved us so much. But then he rose again to show he has power over sin and death. But he's also the Lord who will judge. 
As we say again in the creed, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And once again, our culture doesn't like to believe that, doesn't like to buy into that. And yet Jesus would say a number of times in his ministry and make reference to the fact that there was going to be judgment. And he said in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Why would you do that? Do you really understand when you're saying you're calling me Lord? What that means. And three times people said to him consecutively, I'm going to follow you, Lord, wherever you go. And Jesus pointed out how divided their hearts were because they really didn't mean it. And I wonder, do we mean it when we say, the Lord is risen indeed. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Do we mean it? Because Jesus came to be our Savior and our Lord. To give himself sacrificially for us. That our lives might be given wholly and completely to him. With all that we are and all that we have. When he was in the upper room and he said, you call me Master and Lord, and you're right. But I come as one who serves. And to give my life, which is as we are called to follow in his footsteps, which we are called to do. That's the call on our lives. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, if we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, believe in our hearts, then we will be saved, not just lip service, but that we embrace with the whole of our being that Jesus is Lord. That's what his desire is. That he came to save us from our sin, from ourself. But he wants to be the Lord of our lives. You know, the last, the last book of the Bible, which everybody loves to speculate about what revelation means. It talks about the crucified and risen Lord throughout. This lamb who came to take away our sin. But then you get to the last chapter and verse 20, Revelation 22, 20, it says, come, Lord Jesus. I like to think about that in two ways. Come, Lord Jesus means come into my heart. Be my savior and be my Lord. Let me take what you say seriously for my life. But also come Lord Jesus means what most people think about Revelation, that Jesus is going to come again. Please come. But that means there's going to be judgment. And it's not about saving yourself. It's not about your good works. It's about knowing him to be your savior and your Lord, that he really is the Lord of your life, not you. You know, when I was at diocesan convention about a month ago, a few weeks ago, our preacher 
was a guy by the name of Bishop Clark Lowenfield. Let me tell you about Clark Lowenfield. He's, he's a bishop in Texas, but Clark used to be a fellow clergyman in this diocese before he went to Texas and he served in Texas and then eventually became a bishop there. And Clark looks very impressive, okay? Especially when he's in his bishop's garb. And, and he looks, you know, like he's very articulate, very eloquent. Clark is also a practical joker. Let me tell you what Clark did about 20 years ago, right before he moved to Texas. Right around the time he moved to Texas. He may have already gone there. I don't remember exactly. But a call came in at the church, and I got it on my answering machine. And, it, and the call said, this is so-and-so from the Secret Service. And the president is coming to church this coming Sunday. And he's coming with a few Secret Service men, and they just like to sit in the balcony and, and, and please don't make any mention of them. They'll slip in. They'll slip out. So as Sunday rolled around, I was really anxious. And I was looking for the president, and he never came. And Monday morning, I get a call, and he says, this is Clark Lowenfield. Did the president ever show up? So this is this impressive bishop who preached at our diocesan convention this past year. And Clark quoted from a sermon that I had heard quoted years and years ago. And it had slipped out of my mind. And I thought, that is such a great summation of what we're talking about, the Lord, when Jesus is Lord. And it's entitled, That's My King, Do You Know Him? by S.M. Lockridge. I don't know if any of you have ever heard this. But S.M. Lockridge was an African-American pastor who served at Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego from the early 50s to the early 90s. 40 years. So I'm still a rookie here at 25, by the way. And... Um, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, which is what SM, you think this guy was destined to be in the ministry? Shadrach Meshach Lockridge preached a sermon called, That's My King, Do You Know Him? And I want to read to you parts of this because it's very powerful. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews, that's a racial king. He's the king of Israel, that's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. 
He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's a miracle of the age. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the, and the tried. He symbolizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the, we- the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, my king is the king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring to wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. How long is that? And when you get through with that, all the forevers, then amen and amen. Do you know it? Jesus is Lord. He's risen. Do you know him? Do you trust that Jesus is Lord and is he your Lord? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. That you sent him, that he came because of the incredible love that you have for us. That he came to die in our place for our sin so that we might have a Savior. And rose again to show your power over sin and death that he might be our Lord. Father God, I pray that each person here would know that. Would be sure of that in their own hearts. And confess with their lips that Jesus is Lord. And that they would know that truth personally. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be transformed to live under his Lordship. That as our Lord said, you call me Master and Lord, and you are right, but I come amongst you as one who serves, that we would respond with the service of our lives to you and to those around us. For the sake of your love, the sake of your gospel, 
for the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.